0: Can courts trust evidence collected by Celebrite's mobile device forensic tools? And attackers' dwell time plummets as ransomware hits continue. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. Police forces around the world use Celebrite's technology to help in digital investigations. But can the data be trusted? Well, here's Jeremy Kirk, Managing Editor of Security and Technology, with more on the story.
1: Can courts trust evidence collected by Celebrite's mobile device forensic tools? The question was posed late last month by Signal, the messaging app. Signal's founder, Moxie Marlinspike, contended vulnerabilities he found in Celebrite's tools could be exploited to tamper with evidence. As a result, one lawyer has already filed a motion for a new trial. Celebrite is an Israeli company whose tools can break into passcode protected phones using software vulnerabilities. Then, its devices can collect the data, ranging from emails to messages to photographs, which can then be analyzed by investigators. Marlon Spike isn't the only person who's taken a close look at Celebrite's devices. On Friday, Matt Bergen, who's a senior information security researcher at the consultancy CoreLogic, will present his latest findings at the Black Hat Asia Conference. All of Bergen's research research comes from a concern that Celebrite's forensic devices could be manipulated by bad actors and potentially implicate innocent people. Bergen tells me that software vulnerabilities and forensics tools could have real-life implications for those accused, including jail time. Bergen looked at Celebrite's Universal Forensic Extraction Device, or UFED, and he found three vulnerabilities. Although those issues have now been patched by Celebrite, Bergen contends that forensic software should be put through rigorous penetration testing to ferret out flaws. That doesn't really happen now. There is a program, but unfortunately it doesn't go far enough. In the U.S., the National Institute of Standards and Technology runs the Computer Forensic Tool Testing Program. That program ensures that If a forensics tool claims, for example, that it can extract Instagram messages, that the product can do exactly that. But Bergen says, given the importance about the integrity of digital evidence, the program should be expanded to include penetration tests. There are also supply chain tampering concerns when it comes to forensic devices. Hank Leininger is a co-founder of CoreLogic. He says that while Bergen and Spike's findings have raised concerns about the veracity of data, there also could be the opposite concern. For example, what if Celebrite's software was manipulated to ignore or not collect certain evidence? Leininger says one solution would be self-integrity checks could provide some assurance that Celebrite's software hasn't been manipulated. Bergen and Leininger say CoreLogic didn't find that Celebrite ran any self-integrity checks, but the software they examined is now a couple of years old, and that might have changed in the interim. Another way Celebrite could improve is by publishing prominent public notices describing vulnerabilities that have been discovered and patched. It's yet to be seen how receptive judges will be to challenges about the integrity of digital evidence given the near impossibility in writing entirely bug-free software. And maybe the judges might require more proof that a software vulnerability has been used for tampering rather than deciding that the mere presence of a flaw undermines the material that was collected. But as the research shows, there's clearly a need for better forensic software testing, especially given the impact and importance of digital evidence. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news.
0: Having hackers hang out in your network is a bad thing, and the problems only get compounded the longer they're there. So it's good news that FireEyes, Mandy, and Incident Response Team found that, on average, hackers are getting discovered and ejected from corporate networks more quickly than before. I'm joined by Matthew Schwartz, Executive Editor of Data Breach Today in Europe. Great to see you, Matt. So what's the latest?
2: Yes, Anna. So the good news on the data breach front is that the average amount of time that an attacker is, as you said, hanging out in a network, has continued to decline. Looking at this so-called dwell time is something that Mandiant does every year, and it's based on all the cases they've helped investigate.
0: Yes, so when I spoke with FireEye Mandiant's Stuart McKenzie about this, and he highlighted one of the biggest pieces of good news, which is that on average, when an organization in the Americas independently discovers an internal breach, it does so in just nine days. Here's Stuart.
3: If you think about the amount of time it takes an attacker to accomplish their action on objectives, nine days really means you're having a good fighting chance of being able to detect them and stop them in their tracks. I think when we look more broadly, though, it's still too long. You know, global dwell times are 24 days. That's too long for an attacker to be in the environment. They're able to laterally move. They're able to change from using malware to the kind of tools that you have in your network. For administration so it becomes harder and harder to spot them the longer you see an attacker in the environment the harder they are to spot because they look far more like a normal user so we have still got some way to go it's improving all the time but until we get down to everyone having single digit notifications then we probably have to look at changing you know the attackers are always going to get more sophisticated it's their objective you know it's what they're here for they're trying to compromise organisations. So if we do get faster at detecting, they'll get faster at exploiting. So it's positive, but more needs to be done, I think, is the overall message.
0: And so the obvious question is, what can organisations do to get better at detecting breaches more quickly?
2: Exactly. So just really quick, a bit of background first.
0: Organisations discover breaches in
2: two general ways. The best way, typically, is self-discovery, if you will. It's an internal breach discovery, meaning the organization has independently discovered it's been breached. I say this is better because it tends to happen more quickly. The other way is external, meaning a third party, maybe the FBI, for example, contacts the organization and says, we found evidence on a cybercrime forum that you've been hacked, or there are a number of organizations that have been hacked and we think you're one of them. So from 2019 to 2020, For internal detection, dwell time for attackers fell from 30 days, so a month, to just 12 days on average. That's pretty quick. Now, in the same time frame, the dwell time for externally discovered breaches also fell, but from a whopping 141 days to 73 days. So again, what you're looking at here is an average of 12 days for internally discovered breaches versus about two and a half months on average if someone else has to notify you that you've been breached. So if you can, obviously, you're much better finding it yourself.
0: So golden question, how do organizations do that?
2: The answer is multi-layered. They need to invest and commit to better logging and better monitoring, backed by the right practices and procedures. Organizations need a baseline of what looks normal. Ideally, they should be thinking like an attacker. They should be practicing penetration testing to see if they're susceptible to the types of real-world exploits being used by attackers, and then if they can see these exploits unfolding. One of the things Mandian says is the longer that attackers are in the network, the harder it is to see that they're there. So to help with that, more advanced firms will sometimes run their own or contract for someone to run a threat intelligence program to help them understand the biggest risks they face based, for example, on their industry or the type of software that they are running. They may also utilize threat hunting to better ascertain when and if they might already have been hacked, and again, to help continually tighten. Mandian says that when its investigators were able to identify how attackers reached a victim's network, and it couldn't always do this because a lot of attackers wipe the evidence of their attack, but when they could identify it, they said exploits of software flaws were most common, occurring in nearly a third of all cases. Followed by phishing attacks in about a quarter of all cases. Obvious takeaways, rapid patching to fix those software flaws, and also making sure you have the right phishing defenses in place. Mandiant also found that about a quarter of all intrusions it investigated involved in some manner remote desktop protocol, either using RDP to gain access to the network or getting access and then enabling RDP for hackers to give themselves continued access to the network. Again, Locking down RDP is something that security experts have been strongly urging for years, especially with the rise in ransomware attacks that we've been seeing. Two-factor authentication is just one aspect of that, but just enabling that can arrest so many of the different kinds of attacks we're seeing. So especially with RDP, again, there's no excuse for not having that locked down now.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for your advice and insight, Matt.
2: Thanks, Anna. Always a pleasure to speak with you.
0: And finally, I spoke with former FBI Secret Service and NASA advisor Greg Martin recently, who's currently VP and GM of security business at Sumo Logic, a cloud-based machine data analytics company. I asked him what he learned from his time as a government advisor that could be applied to today's threat landscape. Well, here he is.
4: You know, what I learned is that they're there to help you. You can partner with the government and uh, increasing communication between industry and some of these agencies that are tasked with helping protect us from, you know, the most severe threats like nation state threats. You know, really, there's a little bit of anxiety sometimes about calling the FBI and asking for help. You know, will my information about my attack leak out to the press, that's understandable. But my experience of being inside the government, which was a very long time ago, (laughs) They take this very seriously and your privacy very seriously, and they're there to help you. And uh, I think that the big lesson learned and what I want people to know is that if you haven't already formed a relationship, you know, you can do that proactively. There's many ways to do that. There's groups in your local environment where you can contact the local cyber teams from the government, such as FBI. And again, there are people and they're there to work and help protect you. And that's their job.
0: That's it from the ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time.